Here we go. Get ready for a fun ride today. Daf Chav Zayin, page 27 in Mesechus Meir Katan. So many, so many beautiful ideas that Bez Hashem will be zeicha to instill in ourselves. Amr Aleph is a continuation of Hilchus Avelis. There's a Mishnah towards the bottom of our Amr Aleph that continues in Hilchus Avelis, but we're going to shift a little bit back into uh, Hilchus Avelis on Cholamayir and then towards the bottom of Chav Zayin Amabez back into uh, a number of different uh, topics, big yisaitis, big, big uh, foundations of, of Yiddishkeit and how we live. Let's get going. Tanu Rabbanon, we are on the second line of Chav Zayin Amad Aleph. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learn so should we name us like when you turn to bed over. Meaning at what point does Hilchas Avila start? We know that when a person initially loses a relative, so that person enters a state of onain. Now, an onin does not have all the laws of Avelus, right? For example, an onin is not allowed to do any mitzvah saseh because you're busy, you're osik b'mitzvah, you're busy with the mitzvah of the burial. Uh, but a person in Avelus, of course, does mitzvahs, okay? At what point are we beginning with the Hukas Avelus where we turn our beds over, we start sitting on a low stool as we do nowadays, okay? So it says, Libraisa, Mishiyotu Besach Besay. When the body is taken outside the house, this is the pin of Rebbe It's not even buried yet. But once it's removed from the house, that's when we turn over the bed. Tzolchus Avela starts. Bishua says, When the uh, when the casket, when the coffin is closed, which is even earlier, by the way. That's when they close the coffin to carry it out. Okay. Um, fine. Machoikas Rebbe Lezer and Rebbe Says the Gemara, my the story, passed away. Once they left the house, said, turn over your beds. Yeah. Yeah. All right, turn over your beds. And when they closed the coffin, yeah. Done. It's already done. It's taken over. You don't need to tell us what to do. Turn around, on. The rabbis learned, and that's why they're rabbis. When do you turn the beds right side up? On Erev Shabbos, Mincha Mincha Lamal. From Mincha and onwards, all right? So the laws of Avelos is now, is now going to transition to Hilcha Shabbos. We know during the week, so a person, for example, will wear their torn jacket on Shabbos. You're not allowed to do that. So therefore, on Shabbos, uh, you, you're allowed to put on your regular suit. Same thing holds true with the turning over of the beds. Okay, so at what point going into Shabbos you let it tur- are you permitted to turn the beds back over from Mincha and onwards? Amar Rabba Barahuna, Rabba Barahuna says Afal Pikain. Even if though you're turning it back over and you're you're readying your house, see where we are. Yeah. yeah. Even though readying the house, any um, you shouldn't sit there until it's actually Shabbos. Ule might say Shabbos two lines before it gets wide. Ulu might say Shabbos, and on might say Shabbos, soon as Shabbos is over, even if you're getting up on Sunday morning, you only got a few minutes to sit on Sunday morning, you got to go back and turn your house into an Avelis house. All right? You got to turn it back over because you still got a little bit more time to complete the Avelis. Gavaldik. All right. Tanu Rabbonon. The rabbis learned, and so should we. A person turns over his bed. Let me toss up a vadu kaifa. Not only is he turning over his own bed, he has a kaifa. You hear this? It's 
kind of like in the base of you cover over all the mirrors in the house, right? Not only the bed that you, not only the bed you're going to sit on do you need to turn over. You have to turn over all the beds in the house. Anything that you could sit on, could lean on, you got to turn it, it. It has to be for everybody. Okay, anybody who's part of the mishpucha. You have ten beds, ten different places. You got to turn them all over. You have five brothers. One dies. They all do it in all their homes. But let's say it was a bed that's not meant for people. Let's say it's a storage bed. Okay, whatever that is. Yeah, apparently they used to have special storage areas. That does not need to be turned over. Now, the simple understanding of this is, you know, um, we're familiar with a trundle. What's a trundle? So a trundle is, is referred to as a bed that's kind of like a pullout. Some people have beds where they store their shoes, they keep their clothes under their bed. You're not supposed to keep your food there because you're not supposed to sleep on food, right? So if you have a bed such as that, you don't need to turn it over because it doesn't only, only uh, function as a bed, it's also functioning as a cabinet. Okay. Now, says the Gemara, Dargash ein tzarech lekfaisai. If you have a dargash, either I could give you a sneak peek at what it is, or I can make you wait. What should we do? Because where is going to tell us? All right, we'll we'll wait. It's not too long. It's only one more. It's only about fifteen more seconds. All right, a dargash. You don't need to turn over a dargash. You stand it up. Oh, you untie its ropes. And it falls down by itself. Says Gemara, what are you talking about? My dargash. Oh, what's a dargash? Beautiful. Amarula, Arsutigada. Don't ask me what this is. Okay, ask me what it is. What is a Arsutigada? Arsutigada is, let's translate this as a Mazaldika bed. It's a bed that people would go to that they felt helped them. Now, it sounds a little strange, mm-hmm. right? But it was, like, it was like a comfort spot in the house. Let's call it that. Right? It's a comfort spot. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I, got my, I always have my coffee, keeping me comfortable, my little blankie, right? Keeping me secure. <laughs> it was the security bed. Mm-hmm. Not that they believed the bed was going to help. They believed their bed. But apparently there was this Zach. People had this thing. You know, nowadays kids have like teddy bears. You know, I need my teddy. People had like their comfortable places. When you have that, that, that Garda bed, that, that Dargash bed, you don't need to turn it over. But... You, um, but it is stood up. Okay, this way you can't uh, you can't sit on it. It can't be used. Okay. Amalei Rabba. Rabba says Elamiata. But now Gabi Melech When it comes to a king, we learned in the Mishnah Kolam Sumalars. Everyone else sits on the ground. Vumezival Dargash. He sits on a Dargash. Is it possible that that until today something we would not put sit him on Vahashtam Masvinale, and now we're gonna put him on it? Yeah. Now, if you have a king, you think a king uses such a thing? No, that looks terrible for him. He goes, oh, let, let me go to my teddy bear. Right? Let me go to my good luck spot. Hello, what are you, what are you, like, what's your problem? Are you a king? Do you have, are you a powerful guy or not? Like, make up your mind. Like, are you, are you a wimp? Right? Says the Gemara. I don't understand. It says that he sits on a dargash during Shiva. Why would you sit him on a dargash during Shiva when he wouldn't sit in such a spot otherwise? It's a good Takasha. Basla Ravashi. Ravashi asked the challenging question. My Kusha. I don't understand your question. Ah, like a good Jew. Yeah? I'm going to ask, challenge your question with, I'm going ch- to challenge your challenging question. My Kusha. What's your question? 
you're trying to, to connect something to like eating and drinking da'ada, which what the Sudas have with the meal they would bring the mourner after the burial. Da'ada idna, until today, when it comes to a mourner, until today, did you ever bring, uh, you ever made a meal train for somebody who's, who's, who didn't need it? Somebody's not in Avelos. You ever made an Avelos meal train for him? No. Oh, now you're going to start making a meal train for him. In other words, says Ravashi, like, what's your question? Your question is, if, you're not, if a king's not going to do the stam, you're not going to do this during Shiva? He says, no, there's things we do for people when they're sitting Shiva that otherwise you don't do. I don't understand what's bothering you, says Ravashi to challenge Rabba's challenge. Says the Gemara, rather, if you're going to ask a question on what a dargash is, let's ask the question from the following Brisa, okay? Again, because we're trying to understand what a dargash is, and we said that the dargash is like a mazel dika bed, and we said it can't be. Robert said it can't be because it's a king, right? So you said, no, that could be. You still could be. So he says, if you're going to ask a question on the, on the fact, on, on the pshat or opinion that dargash is a mazel dika bed, this is what we should ask. Titania, we learned in a brisa, dargash in a tzorach you don't have to turn over a dargash when you're sitting, shivel, it's like when you stand it up. Viyarsa degado, if it's a mazel dika bed, amayin a tzorach lechvaisa, why shouldn't you have to turn it over? Hatania, we learned in a brisa, kaifa mitasai, a person who's over his bed, loy mitas bovada, loy mitas you don't even turn over your own bed. Elokom mitaisha yeshlai bisaych beisai kaifa. If a dargash is a bed, you should have to turn over your dargash as well. That's the question. What did we say? Turn over the beds. Dargash, no. What's a dargash? A mazdaka bed. You just told me turn over all the beds. Make up your mind. Is a dargash considered a bed or is dargash uh, something else? Says the Gemara. Oh my kosher. I'm going to ask a question on your question again. What's your question? Yeah. We know you got to turn over every bed. But what did we say about a bed that functions as a cabinet? Do you turn it over? No. Says the Gemara. So even though we said turn over every bed, we're saying there's exceptions now. What's bothering you? Right? Everybody's invited besides for Tamler. You said everybody's invited. You didn't finish it. No, I, I said besides for Tamler, right? So I explained what I meant. Says the Gemara, what's bothering How could a Dargish be a bed if you said turn over every bed? Yeah. Because that's the end of the statement. Every bed meaning, but I, I qualified afterwards and excluded a dargash. If you have a bed that's meant to be a cabinet for vessels, and it's Arachlifais, you don't need to turn it over. So we have no question. A dargash right now, what are we sticking with? What is it? A bed, a mazel dika bed. Says the Gemara, Ela'i Kasha, if you can ask a question on that opinion, that it's a mazel dika bed, Hakasha. Well, this should be your question. Can't be the first two questions. But if you can ask a question, it should be this. Reb Shimming Amiel, Reb Shimming says, Dargash, Matir Karvita Vuhu Naifel Me'ilav. A Dargash bed, what you do is for Shiva, you undo the, you undo the, the ropes of the bed and it falls down by itself. Meaning, a Dargash is a type of bed, let's articulate this, where you have four posts, you have four legs of the bed. And the, the, the mattress, we'll call it, or what's holding up the bed is ropes that are tied on the inside, right? Sometimes, let's just explain because we're going to be getting into this. 
sometimes some you know you can have a frame holding up the center by making the center very taut over each end, right? You pull it very tight, mm-hmm. snug over each corner, kind of like a fitted sheet, okay? And that's how it stays on. Other times, it stays on kind of like a hammock, where you have the frame with the legs, and then you have holes in the frame and ropes going across, keeping it up, okay? Now, the ropes aren't going over each end, they are connecting to, let's say, little hooks that are coming out of each end, right? So it's, it's, it's not being pulled over the edges. It's coming in the center. He says, Adargash, what do you do? You, you separate the ropes from the frame and let it fall by itself. They're going to say that Adargash is a mazel de gaben. My carbino nisle. What ropes does it have that now you're, going, uh, you're now going to loosen it? Okay. It's a regular bed. So the Gemara is assuming that it's pulled over the edges. It's tied around the frame and over the top as opposed to just being in the middle. That's the kasha now according to the Gemara. Again, let's, let's articulate this. Assuming that a dargash is a regular mita, a classic mita, here's the new information right now. A classic mita has the center part that you sit on pulled over the edges, not just in the middle attached to uh, little hooks or rods. Okay, so you see from here that a dargash is not your standard bed. That's our question. So the Gemara says, okay, you're right. A dargash is not a standard bed. Uh, it's, it's, it's not this mazel dika bed. So Kiyosa Ravin, Ravin said a new, a new uh, idea, a new pshat in a dargash. And Ravin said that one of the young Rabbanon told me, his name was Rav from Marava, from Eretz Yisrael. He used to, he, he was very often, he would go around the marketplace of the Gildai, those who made leather. And he said, my dargash arsa ditzla. It's a leather bed. Okay? It's a bed of leather. So this bed of leather was taka pulled all the way, it was pulled all the way across. Now, Itmar Nami, we learned in Abraisa similarly. Amarev Yirmir, Yirmir says, Dargash siruge metoiche. The way that a dargash was held up is the seirugin, the stitching mitoichai, came from the middle. It came from the uh, it came from the inside, which means it didn't go over the edges of the bed of the frame like a standard bed. It went through. It went into the side poles, so it's different than your usual bed. Mita siruga gaba. But Amita is when it's pulled taut over the top. Okay? So what we just clarified is that what's the difference between a Dargash and Amita? Amita is when you have the center part pulled over the edges of the frame. And a Dargash is when you have the center area um, being held up by something within the frame. But it's not pulled over the edges of the frame. Okay? Picture a regular spring, metal spring frame. And you lay your mattress on that. Those springs are coming out of the center. It's not like going to be, nothing's laying over the edges. Right? Those, those hooks are coming out of the middle. Okay. Here we go. Says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Yaakov, Acha, Amar Bishul ben Levi, Allah Rav Shimon Gamliel. Allah is like Rav Shimon ben Gamliel. That the, during Avelis, what do you do to a dargash? You just untie the ropes from the middle and it falls down. Amar Rabbi Yaakov, Amar Rabbi 
Mita shenekliteha yaitzim. Zoikva vidiyai. If you have a bed that comes to a tip, kind of like a tipi, okay? Or a uh, slanted roof. So you stand it up, and that's enough. You don't mamish need to uh, turn it over. If a person um, slept on top of a chair, or on top of a pillar, or even sleeping on the ground, he did not fulfill his chiyav. What does that mean? Yeah, meaning, this is a fascinating thing. Kfiya samita is not only so that you won't sleep comfortably. Kfiya samita is symbolic of, aver- of Avelis. So an Avel shouldn't say like this, you know what, I love my decor. I had an interior designer come in. I'm going to be having the community walk through my house. I want it to look great. So instead of turning over my bed, I'm going to leave everything in its fullest and, and neatest form, and I'll sleep on the floor. I won't sleep on an overturned bed. Says Rabbi nothing doing. Even if you're not going to sleep on your bed, part of Avelis is taking your hand, turning over the bed. That's part of the Avelis. That's what you got to do. Turn up one of the rabbis, learn. That's why the rabbis, one could clean up and even sprinkle water on the ground. The, way they, the reason why they would sprinkle water is because they used to have dirt floors. So they would smooth out the dirt in the floor and lay out, spritch a little bit of water so that the dust doesn't fly up. It kind of kept the floor a little compact. But uh, in a base of umadichin ka'arais, and we're allowed to clean off the ka'arais, the plates, v'kaisis and cups, v'tluchiyais and jugs, v'kitainis and pitchers, but base of in a house of avo, meaning you're allowed to do standard house cleaning. You're allowed to bring... Um, uh, mugmer and besamim, different types of of smelling things into the base ha'avel because it's considered it, it's inappropriate, right? It's it's not what to what, when a person's in mourning, it's not the right time to be specifically, purposely bringing in your favorite incense, your favorite smelling. What do they call the stuff you plug into the wall outlets? Scent, scents, you know, whatever, right? Airwicks, whatever. I'm sure there's fancy ones. Zents, whatever they they have now, right? So it, it's just to 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 bring more more gladness and calmness to the house through these scents. It's not an appropriate time to do it. Says Gemara, why not? Ini, is that true? You don't make a bracha on it. What does that seem to imply? It's there. But when you walk into a house, you just don't make a bracha. Bruche, who'd like mevarachina? You're allowed to bring, you just can't make a bracha. So you see, an avos allowed to have the, the, the scents and the spices, like Asha. One's talking about the base ha'avo. When you bring scents to a house where the guys, where the mourner is, that's inappropriate. The other was talking about the house of the menachman, the house of where people come to. Uh, comfort the Avelim in that room since it's really for the Avelim so it doesn't smell bad it should smell more pleasant so they'll come that's allowed okay so more like the public rooms where people are coming to be Menachem Avel it's allowed to have the smells but in rooms where the where the Avel is but for himself that's not that's not uh, allowed okay here we go says the Mishnah Ein mailichin lebeis ha'avel 
You're not allowed to bring the food for the Sudas Havra'a to a base of oval, not on a fancy tray, not in, in a skutula, which is a, um, it's a expensive type of bowl, or in a big basket, when you bring the Sudas Havra'a, it's got to be in a straw basket. Okay? Now, straw basket... Where do you get that? A flea market. In a flea market, you get a straw basket. The other ones you could buy, you know, depending on the brand name. We'll get into the Gemara. We're specifically making sure that it's got to be kept simple. Now, we know this from the Arain at a Levaya. It's supposed to be kept very simple. Similar ideas we're going to see. Okay? You're not supposed to, even if the funeral home offers a more expensive Arain, you're supposed to go with the simplest, most basic wooden arun. That's the halacha. Okay? We'll see why. Over here we're talking about the food. It should be brought in very simple ways. We don't make a birchas avelim on cholamayit. The bracha they would make for the avelim after the levayit. We don't say no cholamayit at the time of serving the asudas avro. But we stand in row. We are benachim and paitim as harabim. Then we tell everybody, go home. You know why did Shiva start yet? No, it's on Yom Tif. So we do the burial on cholamayit. The word, the... the um, Avelis hasn't started, the Avelis, yeah, the, the Shiva, hasn't started, we tell him to go home. We don't sit the Mita down in the street on Cholomayr, okay? Meaning, we don't stop in the middle of the street to give Hespedim. There's no Hespedim. Lahargil as a Hespit, Shloit Lahargil as a Hespit, Velay Shal Nashim Loila, Mepneakovit. And women, we never stop in the middle of the street to give, uh, put, to, to put them down. And give espadim because of their covid. Okay, we'll uh, we'll see how uh, women are different, and this halacha is actually going to be a biological halacha. So this halacha is stemming from biology. Tonu the rabbis learned, and so should we. In the beginning, earlier times. They would bring food to the base of El Ashirim If you are rich, ooh, okay, so we brought you big, expensive uh, bowls to, with your cholent. Yeah? Silver, gold. And the poor people would get their food yeah, in the simple baskets. And it was embarrassing. Yeah, the, the community, you know, couldn't uh, get together enough, the family couldn't get together enough money to. To offer it in a respectable fashion. Careful about the covenant names. You know what we said? Everybody's got to bring in simple baskets. There's no, there's no classes over here. There's no first class, business class, coach, economy, you know, economy premium, right? There's no such thing at this time. Now, interestingly, there's a beautiful message here. Not only how much we need to be concerned about people's feelings, of course you see that. There's no Shaila about that. But there are times where maybe we're not so concerned about people's feelings, and I'll say when. At the Pesach Seder, it's specifically brought down in the Shulchan Aruch that a, at the Pesach Seder, a person is supposed to bring out their fanciest vessels. The covered Pesach. Whatever, the nicest things you're supposed to put out on your Pesach table. Right? How, do we, how do we understand this? This Gemara is teaching us that the, the way that a Ben and Bas Torah live is 
is when we're able to grasp the time and place for everything. At the Pesach Seder, where the goal is to represent chirus and freedom, we go all out. That's the right time. You could be a little bit of a big shot. Right? Now, why? Because within that, you're obviously recognizing, Akobi De Shemayim is not mine, it's their Bani Shalom's Beseder. Fine. But that's the right time to, to, to point out the nace, the miracles that took place. But over here, we're thinking about life. Somebody just passed away. Is this the time to be bringing out your fancy stuff? Like my gold and my silver, my oil and my hazatik of things? No, that's ridiculous. This is the time fakert. This is time to realize that ultimately everybody's the same. And ultimately, when, uh, when somebody passes away, we leave this world without any gold and silver. It's not important. This is the time and place to think about others and to think about what's important in life. Tan the rabbis learned, that's why the rabbis, originally, when they would bring drinks to the base of Allah, and Bishukas Levana, they would bring in big fancy glass, white glass. And the poor people would bring in colored glass. Now, what does it mean, colored glass? It wasn't, it wasn't as refined. Okay, so it wasn't as valuable. But in Yemis Bison, they'd be embarrassed. We said everybody should bring in simple glass cups. And in the beginning, originally, they would, when a wealthy person would pass away, they would have something, I know the Gayim have this now, it's called like a, I don't know, a viewing, something like that, where they walk by and they see the, they see the mace, they see the face of the mace. This wasn't a viewing the way the Gayim have, but basically... They would leave over part of the tachrichim so people could actually see the one who passed. They could recognize him and it brings to more grief. So they feel the, so the guy's laying right there, right? Otherwise, not just like a white, uh, a white uh, log that it otherwise can look like, okay? So they would leave it open a little bit. And they would cover the face of the aniyim because the aniyim didn't look good when they passed away. Yeah, they, they looked very disheveled. Because their, their faces were, were dark, were black from all the... They didn't have enough food. would feel bad. Everybody does exact same things. Okay, what we're learning from here is, when it comes to a Levaya, when it comes to this part of the life cycle, it is not the right time for any sort of fanciness, it's not the right time for any sort of flattery. It's a time to know the emes. And anything that's going to detract from that message, we got to get rid of. Every, so therefore, everybody's the same. Everybody does the same thing at every levaya. Same type of aron, same type of casket, same type of dachrichim. Originally, the wealthy people would go out in a dargash. Uh, the the body would be taken out on like a big plush mazel dika bed. The aniyim and the aniyim. We now turn to top of chavzayin amud beis. The klicha they would be on a uh, simple uh, simple bed. Rashi says mita shomesim, very simple bed of the dead. But aniyim is baishim. It's embarrassing. Also, iskinishi akometziim the klicha but meikav aniyim. Everybody's going to do the same. Bari Shaina, let's keep going. We got a few more of these, okay? Originally, they would put a pleasant smelling things under people who, whose bodies smelled terrible when they died. 
And people who, who suffered from internal, um, from, from internal uh, you know, digestive issues, they were embarrassed. Okay, why? Because they got nervous when they would say, oh, when I pass away, everybody's going to know that I had these problems. Right now, it ain't nobody's business. When I pass away, they've been putting these, these uh, nice-smelling spices that everybody else, it uh, could smell nice for everybody. Therefore, you know what they, they did? They said, not that nobody should have it. Everybody should have it. Think about it. If everybody now has these nice-smelling spices, no one after me, once somebody passes away, no one there is going to know who Taka had these, had these intestinal digestive issues. So everybody got a nice smelling thing, and therefore everything was taken care of. They would put, they would put uh, in the beginning, they would tevel in the mikvah, vessels um, for, the, um, for a woman who passed away when she was a nida. So they, they, let's say they did a tara on a nida. They also would tevel the vessels that they used to take care of the, of the mace. They'd be embarrassed. Oh, what happens if I die when I'm anita? We said anytime you take care of the, the, the body of a woman, we always do a tefillah, no matter what. This way everybody's in the same boat. In the beginning, they would be tevil on Zavim who had passed away. Same type of issue. Okay? Now, keep in mind, there's nothing to do with a balkari, because a balkari is intentional. You could, you could protect against it. A zav kind of came through like an illness. It was against a person's ability. It could come through, a, you know, excessive eating, excessive traveling, or whatever. So we didn't want people to get nervous that they're going to be treated differently because their bodies function differently. So we said... Everybody, all men, same as all women, we're going to be tevil, the vessels used. In the beginning, listen to this, and listen closely. People were more scared of having to pay for the Leviah than they were of the Leviah. Okay? To the yeah, where the Kraivim would kind of run away when somebody passed away. They would hope that a different family member is going to cover the cost. Gamliel went ahead and he did Kalis Reish for himself. You know what he told everybody? He went out and Rabbi Gamliel knew his place. And he knew that he was widely respected. So he made sure that when he passes away, he's going to be buried in the simplest of the simple. And if everybody else could do that as well. Yeah. Nowadays we dress in the most inexpensive, even uh, the value of a simple zuz. This Gemara, Lahavdil, is... A big message, not only for Levias, that part, but other part, other times in our life cycle. People make, people make chasnas, right? Their simcha is diminished 
Because they know they can't afford the wedding that they need to make. Now you can say it's their own problem. They shouldn't feel the pressure. Okay. But it's also a shtickle. It's a little bit on us to make sure that societal standards don't change. Don't get too high. Otherwise, even if you don't make the chasna to an extent, so now you have perhaps a chasna and kala or bar mitzvah who feels bad. Oh, my bar mitzvah had to be in my house and not at a hall. Right? It's letting us know from Rabbi Gamliel, be sensitive. Is it the achrayis? To, is, is it a responsibility for me to make a... No, if you could afford it, it's not the person's responsibility, right? To, that everybody else decides they, you know, they want to. But there's a sensitivity here. That's the Gemara is letting us know. It's teaching us the sensitivity of Rabbi Gamliel. Okay, period. The Mishnah said, We do not place the coffin in the middle of the street of to give us bedim. Omar of Papa, of Papa says... There's no cholamayid if a tamid chacham passes away. What does that mean? You do give a hesped on a, on a tamid chacham, even if it's cholamayid. The kolshkein chanukah purim, and certainly chanukah and purim, and this is true when he's there, if tamid chacham's not lying there, then there's no hespedim. Ini, really? Uh, he gave a hesped on Rav Zvid in Pum Nahara on Cholamayit, even though the mace wasn't there. That was the day that they heard that he passed away. And therefore it's similar to being Bifanov, even though it was far away. It was that they just heard it. It was fresh. It was raw. And therefore he gave a, uh, he gave a hesped uh, at that time, but otherwise it would not be allowed. Amar Ula, Ula says, Hespid Alev. When we say the word Hespid, okay, that is talking about a crying that comes through showing the heart. Now, doesn't necessarily mean exposing the heart, but we're about what we're, the Gemara is about to teach us, and what Ula is about to teach us, is there's different ways for a person to show pain of the loss. When we say the word hespit, it's a type of pain that is coming from the heart. Okay? From the from not, we don't mean sincere. It's like a, you, you bang your heart, you're showing this is, it's more presenting the heart. They, they beat their shadayim, they, they, they hit their breasts. Tifuach, when we mourn with tipuach, biyad, that means, that means clapping your hands together. Kilos, and when we say to mourn with kilos, that is beregal, stamping your foot. Right? You stamp your foot on the ground, that's a, another way that you could show pain. The rabbis learn so should When a person stamps his foot, you don't stamp it with a sandal, but with a shoe, because of danger. Okay? Because of danger. What's the danger? Why can't you use a sandal? Because sandals aren't as snug and you can really hurt your foot. So if you stamp hard with a sandal, then uh, you know it's uh, it's it, it's it's bad advice, right? You could it's, it's this is real advice to to just stay safe. It says in Avel when he nods his head. So when he nods the head, that's a sign you did your mitzvah. Now get out of here, yeah, like lahavdil. Uh, uh, Elif Alfei Avdalis. When I was learning in the Mir Yeshiva, where I was able to learn for six years, so 
it's so big that it's so small. Meaning, it's such a big yeshiva that you end up, you can't know 8,000 guys, however many are there now. So you end up with your couple hundred chevra, right? 200 guys, let's say, the, the 50 to 100 in your shear, plus, you know, from your nightshade or whatever, and everybody else gets the mere nod. What's the mere nod? You could pass by the same guy for 10 years in a row, but you can't, you can't know everybody's name. You nod to each other. I recognize you. I know you, you know, but, but I don't really know each other. Right? It's called the nod. Over here, he says, when the Ovel, says the Gemara, says Rebbechner, when the Ovel nods to you, it's symbolic that he recognizes what you did, and now we're done. Like, the conversation is over, right? Let's, uh, it's time to move on. Except for an Ovel and a Chaylo. When somebody's sitting Shiva, Nasi walks into the room, they're not, they're not obligated to stand up. says, Okay? By, whenever a Nasi comes into a room, everybody should stay standing until they get a message of, okay, you could sit down now. Except for a Nasi and a Chayla. They could sit down whenever they want. Now this makes a lot of sense. Why? They didn't need to be standing at all. Right? So what happens if, we said you don't need to stand up. But what happens if a Nasi walks into a room and the Chayla was in the kitchen and he's coming back with his lunch and he walks into the room. He doesn't need to wait for the Nasi to, or somebody to tell him you could sit down now. He's allowed to sit whenever he wants. In Avil, on the first day of Avelos, he does not need, for, he's forbidden to eat from his own home, from his own, meat, from his own bread. Okay? Hey, notice from the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, He shouldn't eat um, the bread from other people. Other people, however, a regular Avil should eat from other people. They would change their meals with each other, okay? Because you're not allowed to eat from your own uh, from your own home. So they they had a system. Whenever you need a meal, I'll be your meal train. Whenever I need a meal, you'll be my meal train. Okay. And Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Rav Mace Ba'ir, and I hope I don't. I need everybody here to chop what is happening with this. Listen closely. When you have a dead person in a city, nobody is allowed to go to work. If you think that there was siyata dishmaya, that we were learning beya, all the mesechtas that we were doing, mamish leading right up to the yomtif, Rosh Hashanah, all they were like, wow, mamish. If this Gemara, this da falls out on Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site, when every Hevra Kadisha right now on Zion Adar is getting together, this statement of Yudam Arav is saying, nobody's allowed to go to work if you don't have a Hevra Kadisha in your city ensuring that every mace is taken care of. Because if there wouldn't be a Hevra Kadisha, and any Jew dies in our town, we would not be allowed to go to work tomorrow morning. That's halacha. The Shulchan Aruch passes like this, by the way. This is halacha. You hear this? Mace beer. And nobody's taking care of it. Nobody's allowed to go to work. No? It's wild. It is. It's wild. 
Rav Amnuna equal Lidarumasa. Rav Amnuna, right now, no, what time is their dinner? 6.30. 6.30 is their dinner, not good. Eh? The middle of the dinner right now is incredible. The Chabra Kadisha. Rav Amnuna Ikhla Lidarumasa. Rav Amnuna went to Darmusa. Shama kol shipura de shechva. He heard the sound of a shayfer that somebody died. Chaza hanach inchi deka avdi avidta, and he saw people going to work. Somebody dies, maybe they're going to work. Amalu, he said to them, "Lavi hanach inchi b'shmeitzer, you guys should be put in chayr. She put in idui. Where do you think you're going? Lo shechva ichem v'masa. Is it that it doesn't somebody need to be buried? Amrulai chavurasa ika b'masa. We have a chaver kadisha. Amar lehu iachi shayi lehu because you have a chaver kadisha." You can go to work. You're right. I'm not going to put you in here. Here is. Vyomar Rav Hunamar Rav. Mamish. Here is his name of Rav. Kolam miskasha al-mesa yosemidai. A person who gets a little too obsessed. More than halacha demands. Grieves too much. Al-mesa acher hu baicha. It will ultimately die. Will ultimately have to cry over more deaths. Okay. Now this is very, very important. I've been, I've had people, Nebuch, where they were so connected to the one who passed away. And I know, I, I have, I know somebody in my, you know they have a shiva candle? I know a woman that insisted, what she, she asked the funeral home for, about 70 shiva candles, so that last seven days each, so that she can have 12 months of the same candle constantly being lit for her for during all 12 months. Because that flame to her represented the neshama of her father and it was too hard to let him go. And it, it's not healthy. It's not healthy, right? It says there's a process that Chazal put into place for proper mourning. Follow that process, and that'll be okay. That's, that's the therapy that we need. Here's a story. Hayyat said there was a woman, she lived in the city of Ravuna. She had seven kids. One of them died. She cried a lot over him. Stop it. She didn't listen to him. If you listen to me, everything will be okay. If you don't listen to me, let me tell you something. You're going to have to make tachrichim for another child. You need to stop. You need to stop. It's causing bad mazel to you. Mace. And another kid died. And they all ended up dying. And then he said to her, you're, you're basically prepare your own suitcase. Okay? And she also passed away. Don't cry over a, a mace. And don't, um, don't have too much grief over him. Okay, what does that mean? Don't cry. Of course you let it cry. What does it mean, don't cry? It means don't cry too much. Don't do more than what needs to be done. There's a, there, there's a limit to the amount of grief that we're allowed to bring into our lives. Okay? We, at a certain point, you can't, you can't keep rolling in, in the pain. And if you can't get rid of it, so then we've got to get help. Right? That's why Baruch Hashem, there's people out there in the world 
that can help us. And don't, you know, don't have too much grief, more than the normal amount. What does that mean? More than the measurement. What does this mean? Here's how it works. The first three days, it's proper, cry as much as a person needs to cry. The Shiva lahespid. And then the remaining parts of Shiva has paid them. You speak about the mace, the messages, the lessons, the loss. And then for 30 days, we don't wear fresh clothing, we don't do laundry, we don't take a haircut, so on and so forth. Okay? That's how, now, we, we have, are you allowed to cry here and there? Of course. Are you allowed to have pain? Of course there's pain. But the way that we present it is by refraining from these three things. This is the healthy progress of the grief. Mikan ve'elach, after that, Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Iyatem Rachmanim ba'yayser mimeni. You are not more Rachmanim than me. Meaning, meaning, I know how to run this world. I know how to run this world. I know what that person needed, and now they're with me in Gan Eden. I know what you need. Don't think that you're crying over this person for five years straight is helping anybody. It's not helping that person. You lighting 70 candles is not keeping their neshama in this world alive. You're, you're not doing this in a normal way. Because the brother who says, I'm telling you, I'm your manufacturer. I'm telling you how things should go. You got, they're fine. This person, and as we learned yesterday and two days ago, we don't cry over where the person is. They're fine. They're with the Rabbeinu Shalaylam. We're crying for our loss. We're crying for our loss. Don't think that, but you're crying is being compassionate on the mace. It's not the way it works. Bachu, bachu We cry and we cry for somebody who passed on. Om There's somebody who passed away without leaving any, uh, any family behind. Any children behind Levi would not go to a base of El Elman Aside from a person who didn't have any children, why? She would say, it says, I gotta cry. Okay. So he would only go be Menachemavel, a household of a person who passed away without any children. Otherwise, he kept learning Torah. Actually, and this is a big, big, big site, as we know, a well known Gemara, often quoted. It's referring to a person who does an Avera and then does it again. What does it mean, If you do an Avera, then we gotta do, uh, we gotta do tshuva. You got to do tshuva and don't go back to the Avera. Rav Huna the Tamei and Rav Huna is consistent with his own reasoning. The Yama Rav Huna. Kivan Shavar Adam Avera Vishonaba. When a person does an Avera over and over and over. Hutralai, it becomes permitted to him. Says the Gemara, it becomes allowed? No, it doesn't. Hutralai, Shogadai, the Chlatera says you can't do it. Shogun says you can't do it. It's allowed just because I did it? No, it becomes permitted to him. So we have to make sure. Once we do something, it's, it, it, it doesn't become our new normal. Like all of a sudden it's allowed. That's terrible. If it becomes an Avera to soothe our own conscience, becomes like it's allowed. No, it's crucial to have a conscience and know that it's not allowed. Now, as, as we said with the Mincha Marav this evening, Mamas from our Parsha, that, that you also can't, uh, can't um, have too much of a conscience. 
right? We said over a Maisa, a Bachar, if we have time over here, yeah, we're okay. A Bachar uh, in the Satmar Yeshiva um, was very, very down, very, very depressed. And his Rabbeim couldn't cheer him up. There was something very, very off. Finally, after a few weeks, they brought him to the Satmar Rebbe, Rabbi Yael. said, Rebbe, you got to talk to this kid. So Satmar Rebbe sits down with him, he starts talking. And after a while, the kid opens up and he says, Rebbe, I'll tell you why I can't. He says, I, I, I did something terrible. I gave in to my Tivus and... And uh, and I got to. Uh, that's why I'm 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 so upset at myself. That's why I'm so depressed. So the Rebbe says, "Okay, that's fine, but there's a tshuva process." Said, "No, you didn't have a tshuva process. You're not going to be depressed." The boy says, "What do you mean?" Zok David Amalech, v'chatosi lefonai tamid. My sin is in front of me tamid always. So I got to keep my avir in front of me to ensure that I'm never going to do it again. The Satmar Rebbe opens up the very first Pasuk in this week's Pasha, Pasha Tetzaveh. What does it say? Vata Tetzaveh is B'nai Yisroh. What should we do? Take the oil, prepare the menorah, la ha'alais ner tomid. To lift up the light of the tomid, the constant light. Frek the Satmar Rebbe to the Bakr. How often was the menorah lit? It's a ner tomid. How often was it lit? And the Bakr rightfully answered, according to most Rishayim, once a day, before sunset, before evening, once a day they lit the menorah. Zok the Rebbe, very good. You see, it doesn't mean to always be upset about your Avera. It means once a day. Once a day. No, before you go to sleep, make a cheshben on Nefesh. Did I spend my day well? Yeah, yes or no? You spend my day well? Beseder. I just spend my day well? Okay. I, there's a tshuva process. I regret it. I confess it. And I won't do it again. And you move on. You can't sit there like that, he tells this boy. You can't wallow in, you can't stay in the mud. It's not healthy for you. So, so the Gemara is telling us, you can't have no conscience, then it becomes heter. You can't have too much either, as we see from the beginning of this week's parsha. Amr Ablevi. Ablevi says, In all the first three days, he should see himself as if there's a sword laying next to him between his thighs. Okay? What does it mean between his thighs? Meaning like your head's down and there's a sword as if there's a big judgment coming against a person. And by the way, this is a very important idea. Very important idea. Um, when somebody in a Chabura passes away, it's a big message to the whole Chabura, Chazal teach us. So when somebody loses a close relative, we have to think real close and real hard about where we're holding. From the third day to the seventh day, like there's a judgment lying. It's in, so it's in the corner of the room. It's not right over me. In the corner of the room. Yeah, it's out in the marketplace. Like I see it, but it's out there. All right, next little piece. Just to finish the daf. We'll start here for tomorrow, Mishem, as well. We, we we don't give eulogies for women in the street out of the, because of their covered. You know what? It's, just, it's a short thought. Let's just read the whole thing. Amri Nardai, the people of Nardai said, Lai shanu, this halacha of not giving a, setting the coffin down in the street for a woman is only true. Elachaya, a woman who gave birth, she died while she was giving birth. So there's a lot of dam, there's a lot of blood. And if we stop and lay her down, it's going to take longer for the burial. There could be dam, and that's going to be seen on the tachrichim by a lot, you know, because of, because it's coming out of her body. And therefore, it's disrespectful. Avashar Nashim, 
But other women, Manichim, they could be placed down. There's no concern. Besham tomorrow will pick up from here. Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Lazar argues on this statement that it's specifically for a woman in childbirth. We'll see why. Bez Hashem tomorrow evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful night, everybody.